Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're a Christ follower, you don't have to be clueless about life. God gives us light. He's our shepherd. He's our teacher. And the word of God promised to be light. These people are in a very difficult time. And they're thinking, what are we going to do? Should we go back? Should we hang on? Should we go back to Judaism? Should we stay here? And what does God do? He sends them a teacher. The name, Paul. And he says to them, let me warn you, but let me encourage you. Ever been publicly shamed for your faith? How about beaten because you love Jesus? Unless you lived in the Middle East, Africa, or Asia, the answer's probably no. However, the Jewish believers in the book of Hebrews could definitely answer yes to those questions. You'll hear in Pastor Mark's teaching today that these Christ followers were under intense pressure to conform to society. The great thing, though, is that they had access to the one who could give them the answers they needed. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 10 as he continues his message, Don't Go Back, Stand Firm. going to stand as a Christian, you are too, every one of us individually at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to give an account for the use of my time and my talents and my money and my motives and all of those things. I'm going to give an account. I don't think it's going to be a sad day for most of us. I mean, God knows we're not perfect. He understands that. So I think it's going to be a glorious day. But I want to hear him say, well done, good faithful servant. And he will to many of us. But we are going to stand there. So this fear is just understanding that there is a judgment coming. And I should respect the Lord. One of the things we have trouble with in church today is there's very little fear of God. Even in the world, there's zero fear of God, really. And in our churches, there's very little. Charles Spurgeon said this. Think lightly of hell, and you will think lightly of the cross. Think little of the sufferings of the lost souls, and you will soon think little of the Savior who delivers them. So, salvation is huge. Sinning is huge. Heaven and hell, that's the end result. And that's such an impact on our lives. Now, before we turn back to Matthew, turn with me to 1 Timothy, toward the end of the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 4. With all of this, let me remind you that we are in the latter days and that should have an influence on us. 
First Timothy chapter four, verse one. The spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith, become apostates and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So Paul tells us that some real followers of Christ will just choose in the end times to abandon. They'll deliberately walk away from God. When you walk away from God and Jesus, how are you going to get your sins forgiven? You've walked away from the only one that can forgive you. So I believe that that's going to happen. I believe it does happen today. But I believe that a person decides by willful choice, if they change before they die, they can absolutely be forgiven. If not, then God will simply say to them, you've chosen to abandon me. I've come back to you time and again through the spirit, through conviction, through the word, through another friend, through things that came back to your memory of what you knew as a child. You've abandoned them. You don't want to change. So be it. They will be judged and separated from God forever. But again, no one can go through those seven steps or any part of those steps without the constant love and the constant conviction of the Holy Spirit. He is always there working on us, working toward us. Now, what is hard for us is when we see people, i.e. the prodigal son, headed in that direction. And it's hard for us when we see our children head that direction. It's hard for us when we see our friends that are Christians and all of a sudden they're not too interested in the things of God and they begin to move that. It's really hard for us. So what we do is you pray for them. Talking rarely will do much. You pray. Intercede. Because the Holy Spirit has not forgotten them. Where can I go from your spirit? You can't. And remember the prodigal son? When he came to his senses, he came home to dad. How did he come to his senses? The Spirit of God came to him. He began to think, what am I doing? This was crazy. So, again, if you're here, you think, well, I think I'm an apostate. I'm really worried about it. Relax. You're not an apostate if you're worried about it. It's fine. Repent, come back to God, get restored, and let's go on with Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, does Paul think, when he's writing to these people, that they're going to become apostates? No. Do I think... When I teach to you that you're going to become apostates. No. Well, why does Paul do it? Just to do one thing. To warn them. Lovingly warn them. And that's all he's going to do. So you're going to see now, Paul's going to say, Hey, hang on. I don't expect you to give up. I've never expected you to give up. But I want to warn you. Because I know how Satan works. So look at Hebrews 10, back to verse 32. And I'm going to give you three major keys as we go through this quickly. And these are really good for us. There's so much stuff here. First thing Paul says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. First thing I want you to write is this. Remember what God has done in the past. So he says, when you get to these difficult times, 
and you're thinking of just giving up on God because circumstances are really, really, really difficult, he says, just stop for a moment. Remember the joys of the day when you first learned about Christ. Notice, remember the early days when you had received the light. So just stop for a moment. Maybe some of you have been saved two weeks. Some of you have been saved, I've been saved 55, 60 years almost now. Think back. That's hard for me. That's a long time ago. But I can vaguely remember walking up. We had an apartment. My dad was a pastor. We had an apartment. I can remember my mom and dad coming into my bedroom. I was five. And I said to mom and dad after a service, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart. It took. Did I understand everything I'm teaching? No. And I continue to want to understand more. But I knew this. I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ. So you can't come to Christ unless you admit you're a sinner. Now, I hadn't been a murderer, axe murderer at five, whatever. May have thought about it. Not in those days, right? In the 40s, not a chance. You know, Mickey Mouse was the big deal. But I knew I was wrong. And I asked Christ to come into my heart. You remember back at the joy of the Lord when he changed you? It was wonderful, wasn't it? If you're an altar counselor, it's wonderful to see these people crying and saying, you mean I can actually start again? Yep. You mean it can all be wiped out and you can start again? Yep. Woo, that's great. Best news in the world. So it's amazing when you and I look back, the peace, the joy, the purpose. Then, like all unbelievers... Notice what it says. You receive the light. One of the beautiful things about that is, as I'm a follower now, and I think back, and I look at my life in all the rough times I've had, and all the good times that I've had, God's always been there. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. Now, do you think Paul could write a story? He did. Many times he talked about his life. And he would think back at the faithfulness of God. Look at verse 33. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how difficult could it be for this little home group there in Rome? Well, watch. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison, followers of Christ who went to prison, and joyfully... This one, you probably don't want to underline your Bible because it's a pretty tough one. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Now, I can understand the confiscation of my property. When someone came in and took all the home out, all the furniture, you said, it's all right, Lord. It doesn't really mean too much to me anyway. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So he says, remember back what you've come through. Don't think about giving up. He says, remember back public insult. Other times you stood with other believers who were suffering. Notice doing church as a team. People were suffering. You were there with them. That's what the hospital visitation ministry is. That's what the home groups are about. That's what a small men's group and women's group and couples group, all of those small groups are like that because we can be with one another. We can pray for one another. I remember Linda and I, when we smuggled Bibles into China many years ago, we came into Hong Kong and took the train and went right into China and went up into this apartment complex way out in the dark street. And we went up and we heard Pastor Lamb tell us that every few months, the Chinese police would come in 
and confiscate all of their television stuff. Because the church was on like four different stories with TV monitors. They'd come take the TVs, the monitors, everything. Confiscate everything, and they'd have to start again. Buying it, putting it up, getting church to go again. Every few months that would happen. And yet, he wasn't bitter. And I thought, wow. This is a guy who's practicing exactly what we're reading. Notice, as they did it, they did it joyfully. Why? Because... Their possessions didn't mean that much to them. Now, Romans 5 says this, We rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. So Paul, the same writer, says when we suffer, when we go through trials, When we go through temptations, they build my character. He says to these people, think back what you've gone through. You've drawn closer to the Lord. You see, when there's trials and when there's sickness, everyone in this room knows what happens when there's trials and sickness. We might be a full-on, spirit-filled believer. When there's a difficult trial that comes, or a sickness comes to your life, We seek God even more. Am I right? Because we know that's the solution. And so God uses that to remind us that we can't do this independently. And we seek God more and more. Notice, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us. So we don't like it. But during those stressful times... Our hope is actually increased. You keep your eye on God, not the situation. And that's what Paul's saying to them. Look back. Look what God did for you. Don't look at what you're in right now. Look back, and every time God brought you through, that's worth an amen somewhere out there, isn't it? Every single time God brought us through. Maybe not like we wanted, but it built character in us, didn't it? It built that thing that we could trust God. Look at verse 34. You sympathized with those in prison, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Linda and I walk almost every morning. And on Fridays we walk, and that's the big garbage day. Tuesday's a garbage day too. There's all kind of stuff on the streets when you walk. You ever walk and see this stuff? All this junk people put out. Of course, we add to it ourselves. And there's this one guy that drives through our neighborhood in his little trucks, like Sanford and Son. And he picks up all kind of jazz. He's out early getting the good stuff before. So I said, no, Linda, we gotta get up earlier. This guy's gonna beat us to this stuff. No. Rarely do we take anything home. Once in a while we find something of a treasure and we take it home. You know, whatever. We don't mind. We just walk with the thing all the way home, all through the neighborhood. There's that pastor that can't get whatever. We just have a good time with it. But I thought of this. When we get to heaven, I don't think you're going to be recycling. There's going to be big dumps of stuff. You're not going to get the latest whatever. You're going to have the latest whatever, always. I don't know how God's going to work it. But life isn't about stuff anyway, is it? It's just never about stuff. First Peter 1.4 says this, 
We have a priceless inheritance, inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change or decay. Hallelujah. So the Hebrews could look back and see what difficult circumstances God had brought them through. Number two. Second thing to write. Remember what God has promised. Not only look back at what you've been through, but number two, remember what God has promised. Remember they talked in the first verse we just saw there that they had come into the light. Here's a beautiful thing. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a wonderful promise. If you're a Christ follower, you don't have to be clueless about life. God gives us light. He's our shepherd. He's our teacher. And the word of God promised to be light. These people are in a very difficult time. And they're thinking, what are we going to do? Should we go back? Should we hang on? Should we go back to Judaism? Should we stay here? And what does God do? He sends them a teacher. The name, Paul. And he says to them, let me warn you, but let me encourage you. Just remember what God's done for you. So right in the middle of this, God was doing exactly that. He was giving them a way to walk, a person to follow, a person to imitate. So all Paul says to them is, go back to the years that you were faithful. Replay the tapes and stand solid in your commitment to the Lord. Number three, respond in God's strength in the present circumstances. So, number one, remember what God has done in our past. Number two, know the promises of God. Quote them. Believe them. Number three, when you're in the middle of a difficult circumstance, you respond in God's strength. Notice verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So number one, I should respond in confidence. How do I know to respond in confidence? Well, God said he'd never leave me. So no matter how bad it gets, I'm not going to throw away that. Verse 36, you need to persevere. That word is endurance in some of your translations. The original language is hupomone. It means perseverance, continuance, bearing up, steadfastness, holding out, patient endurance. He says you need to endure or persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. So it just seems to mean, it means to bear up. So I not only have to respond in confidence, I respond with endurance. I'm going to stick with it. And what's one of the greatest things that helped me stick with it when I get wavering? It's a friend. It's someone that's praying with me. And that's one of the things we're going to do tonight. Don't, again, if you do have a prayer partner or you don't have a small group or you have people that you can just, one or two people, guys, guys, women, women, go to them and say, I'm struggling in this area. Would you pray for me? That's a person who will respond in confidence and endurance with you. And the third one is respond in faith. In other words, I need confidence. I need perseverance. I need faith. And I need that person as well as God, that person in the flesh to be around me. Look at verse 37. For in just a little while, if you'll persevere, Paul says, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Habakkuk in the, in the Old Testament says it like this in Habakkuk 2.3. The vision is for 
the future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Of course, we've been talking about the rapture, the second coming. When are we going to get through all this trial? When's the difficult come? Well, it's not too difficult for us right here in America. But there's plenty of places that it's very difficult. Got an email this week from our friends in China. Again, one of the home group's people been arrested. They have to move to another town, try to start over again. That's commonplace there, unknown to us by and large. Verse 38. And this will be the verses 38 and 39 is a kickoff to chapter 11. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So what does that mean? This means that the one who believes God promises, even though they're not seen at the moment, perseveres and holds on. That's the one that pleases God. What is faith? Faith is simply believing what God promised. Promise to get us through it. Promise never to leave us. Promise that no weapon would form against us. Well, Pastor Mark, what if they take all our furniture? So, easy to say so now, more difficult then, but it hasn't. What if they take our life? Many people are losing their life. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Doesn't get any better than that. If we're doing the will of God. So, Last thing I want you to write is simply this. God is pleased with a lifestyle of faith. On the other hand, look at verse 39. But we are not, this is so powerful. Well, go back to verse 38, the second part. If he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Remember the Bible says, without faith you can't please God. So Paul says, don't you dare think about going back. You just stay right in the middle of this trial. It's going to be fine. God's going to be with us. He's going to protect you. He's going to bring you through. Think back what he did. Think about his promises. And you stand right now in that. You just stand and persevere in that. Because without that, if you waver, you will go back. He says, I love his verse 39. Unbelievable, right? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. New Living Translation says this, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. No, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Can you see it? That's like a, an Obama or a Clinton rally. Right at the end, that statement to these people. They're thinking, ooh, it's really tough. Then, he, then Paul says to them in this writing, you're the ones that are going to stand firm. I have no doubt. Let's go on for God. What a way to end it, huh? And that's what I think about us. You're not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. Those that have played with it and gone to the back, what do we do? We pray for them because until their last breath, they can still be captured by the Spirit of God. That's his heart. Pastor Mark taught today about sin. He talked about how seriously God takes sin and the need for you to begin to do the same. You heard how when someone says they don't want to follow Jesus anymore, that this has been a process over a long time. You were reminded that God loves everyone and doesn't want to see them make this fatal decision. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This finishes off Pastor Mark's teaching, Don't Go Back, Stand Firm. Next time, he'll begin his message, Faith, God's Gymnasium. He'll be starting on the chapter that's been called the Hall of Faith. You'll learn about a lot of Old Testament figures that the Jews looked up to. Pastor Mark will illustrate the thing that ties them and you together. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Bulmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.